Daydream more. Do more of it. Do it all the time. It's a great thing to do. We are allowed and we should daydream and visualize and imagine how we want our lives to be. Telling a kid to stop daydreaming is telling them to stop imagining. And imagination is one of our most powerful tools. Hello, Grown Girl Gang. Welcome back to the Girl We Grow Now podcast. I am your host, Victoria, and today I have a very enriching episode for you with a special guest. So today I'm having Bangs on the podcast. She is from the UK and she is an award-winning spin instructor who has guided thousands of people to find their best selves in her spin classes. Her classes were so popular that people started asking her to coach them off the bike and that is when she started her life coaching journey. So she is an accomplished public speaker, an author, and the former fitness editor at LUK. She really is the coolest person and I loved talking to her. I felt so inspired and so ready to just really go after my goals after this episode. So if you're in the space where you know that you have goals that you want to reach and maybe you haven't been consistent enough or disciplined enough to reach them before, or maybe you've set new goals, or even maybe you're thinking about setting new goals for 2024, I want you to go ahead, tune into this episode, and then after this episode, jump right into starting to go after your goals. There's no reason why we have to wait until 2024 to start working on our goals when we can go ahead and start now. We have a couple of months left of the year, so let's make these two months the best months that we can and really really just start building the lives that we dream of. So with that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the episode with Bangs. Hello, Bangs. Welcome to the Go Go Now podcast. How are you? Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and I'm feeling great. How are you? I am doing great. I'm so excited to have you. So this is the new series. So I started doing series on my podcast. And so I'm so excited to have you be a part of my creating the life you love and reaching your goals series. And yeah, I'm so excited to get into it. Yay. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> yes. Okay. So I love to start with an icebreaker for all my guests. So what is the best life advice you've ever received that you still apply today? Wow. Going in with a big one. Yes. <laughs> you know, my dad once said to me, assume nothing ever. Mm. And that really sticks with me. I'm not going to say I always manage to do that. But when I find myself making assumptions or, you know, kind of letting my mind wander and assuming something about someone else, that does always come to mind for me where I'm like, you know what, let me not let my mind just make up a whole scenario about a situation or a person and let me let things play out as they should. So I think that's probably the best bit of advice that I've gotten really. I love that. And I think that's amazing. Like even when you said you don't want to assume things about people, that goes such a long way in relationships. If we could just ask and have conversations instead of assuming, we are going to realize that our relationships are going to be so much better. And honestly, like we're going to walk through life so differently because we don't have to assume we'll just have conversations. And a lot of times we get in trouble by assuming instead of just asking and starting a conversation. So I love that. 100%. So much of the time we're just projecting our mm -hmm. own stuff onto a situation. And when you actually just calm that 
instinct down and listen, ask questions, converse about a thing. It's amazing how much clearer things are once you do that. It really is. And that's a good point. Just because a lot of times we're thinking one thing, we've made up the story and literally their intention was not even that. And as you said, we realize, oh, wait, is that my projection that I just projected on this person? So that is like 100% accurate. Mm -hmm. Okay. So can you share your journey into becoming a life coach and what motivated you to help other people? create lives that they love? Sure. Well, I don't know if I kind of came at it a bit of a convoluted way, but my background is in fitness, basically. And that's what I do now. I was a, was and am a spin instructor. And my approach to fitness and wellness in general has always been holistic. So I don't think you can kind of separate out elements of your wellness journey. You have to really make it all encompassing. And so my approach when I'd be teaching spin would be to coach from a very kind of emotive and motivational type of place. Mm -hmm. And my classes kind of got known for being about that. And people would often say that my classes were like therapy or people just really managed to have a good kind of emotional release during my class, which I always found to be the best compliment, to be honest, to what I was trying to, to do. I really wanted it to be a space where you felt safe to go on a mental and emotional journey along with the physical one that you're doing in the class, right? Yeah. And people would often say to me, oh, I wish that all of this advice that you're giving when you're on the bike, I wish I could get that off the bike from you too, you know? Like, I wish you could coach me off the bike. And I don't think I even knew really that life coach existed as a thing that you could do at this time that people were saying this to me. I just thought, oh, that's a cute thing for people to say to me, that's nice. <laughs> and then I did become aware of, oh, life coach is a, an actual career that I could do. And I moved from the UK to Canada in May of 2020, right at the start of the pandemic. Not a good time to move, just in case you were thinking about moving <laughs> countries during a pandemic. And obviously everything was shut down. No spin studios were open. My usual outlet of being able to help people, etc., was just not open to me. And it felt as though the universe had kind of created this moment for me to explore this life coaching option, right? So I then took a course during that time and it just kind of grew from there, really. Started getting clients and I love it. And it's also just the perfect complement to the work that I do as a spin instructor. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like one of the best ways to find out what your gift is to the world is when other people tell you like, hey, have you thought about doing this? And you start to know when you get that from multiple people that this is your calling and it's what you're meant to do. So I love that that was your journey into life coaching. Yeah, for sure. It genuinely would have never occurred to me, you know, unless other people had been saying it to me enough times. I didn't know that it was even an option. So yeah, a lot of times there's the universe is kind of doing everything to point you in a certain direction. There's these neon flashing signs saying, go this way, do this. <laughs> and I was just kind of stumbling through life like, what? I don't know. <laughs> Yes. And then you got there. I totally, I love that. So mindset plays a crucial role in personal development. How can we shift our mindset to be more positive and empowering? Great question. Because that can be so tough. I think the main thing to do to start that journey is to just assess your environment, first and foremost. I often talk about our 
diet, our cultural diet that we're taking in. So what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? These things matter. Hmm. Who are you surrounding yourself with? Let's start there. You know, we are a result of our environment. And if we're in a really negative environment, it's really difficult to get a positive mindset shift and to get you into that state where you want to be more motivated. You want to be more enthusiastic about life. You want to make sure your life is going in a certain direction. If you're in a negative environment or you're surrounded by negative people who have a maybe a what's that expression crabs crabs in a bucket barrel something um, everybody's everywhere where you're kind of always trying to tear other people down or mm. you know if you're in that kind of an environment it's really difficult for you to lift yourself out of it so i always start with just assessing your environment looking at okay am i constantly watching for example no shade to anybody who watches them but am i constantly watching like reality tv shows like real housewives of whatever where it's just like bitchy women fighting all the time and mm. what is that adding to my life is that messaging? Is that content getting me in the kind of mindset that I want to be in to go where I need to go? Am I constantly reading trashy gossip magazines? Is that helping me to get where I want to go, right? So mm -hmm. I think it starts with just assessing the environment that you're in and the things that you're taking in around you and then doing the work to switch that out where you can. Okay, cool. Can I, instead of watching that show, can I maybe watch a documentary about the thing that I want to learn more about? Or can I listen to this podcast? Or how about I pick up this self-help book or whatever, right? Start taking in a bit of a more motivationally rich diet, if you will. And yeah. your mindset will change off the back of that. I really like that you bring that up because I think a lot of times we don't realize what we watch, what we listen to, and the things that we basically feed ourselves, we don't realize how much that gets into our subconscious. So even like you mentioned, reality TV, I, I do watch it sometimes, but you're right. When you do start to, when you watch those things all the time, you'll start to realize that your demeanor changes because you're watching that and you see how fiery they are. And then maybe you start to get more agitated and more fiery when you come into confrontation versus, as you said, if you were listening to something more motivational or empowering, you are going to have a different reaction because that is what you're filling yourself up with. So I think that is a really crucial thing that you mentioned. Yeah, I agree. You do tend to vibrate on the frequency of whatever's kind of going on around you, right? Mm. So if you're constantly watching or listening to things that have like this tense energy about them, this angry energy about them. You are internalizing that and carrying that with you, right? So imagine if we flip that on its head and we start to take in more positive content, more motivational content, then we start to vibrate at that frequency, right? And everything then aligns around that kind of an energy. So true. And that even makes me think like I know when I was younger, I would listen to music to match how I felt. For example, if I felt sad, I was going to be jamming Adele, especially when she released what album? I forgot the album that had Hello on it. That was like my go to oh, album. Boy. But how yeah. am I ever going to get out of that sadness if I am constantly listening to something that's going to basically amplify my sadness? That's it. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so what are some common mindset obstacles that people face when trying to change their lives for the better? And how can we overcome them? Well, we only 
know what we know and what we've experienced, right? So if your life experience has involved you coming up against instance after instance where you've butted up against things that have made you fail, or if your experience is that you're in an environment where you don't often get to see people win or be successful, that's your experience. That's what you're working from, right? Mm -hmm. So that then becomes the obstacle because then it's like, okay, I don't have any examples around me of people who succeed. And anytime I've tried to do something, it's just failed. So that's your lived experience. That's what you know. And that's all we can really work with, right? Until we manage to change that narrative for ourselves. So a lot of that just comes down to, you know, if these are the only examples you've got, that's the hymn sheet you're going to sing from. So the first step is what we were talking about in the last question, right? How do I change that for myself? What are the, in the smallest way, and they, they are small changes. Nothing is going to just like magically change overnight. It's small incremental steps. And you have to give yourself time and patience and a lot of grace as you make these shifts out of a mindset that has been cultivated over a prolonged period of time, right? Because mm -hmm. it's been reinforced by example after example of you not getting where you wanted to go, of you not having the outcomes that you wanted to see. And it's become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you have to slowly but surely change these micro elements of your life, you know, going from listening to the sad Adele songs to, okay, today, actually, I'm going to make like a playlist of songs that all make me feel good and make me want to dance. That might seem like a really small thing. But again, if we're talking about not to be all completely woo-woo about it, but just vibrate on certain energy levels, that then gets you into a different mood, which makes you move through the world in a different way, right? And the world therefore responds to you in a different way and presents things to you in a different way. And all of a sudden, you start to see and feel these sudden shifts that yeah. take your life in a different direction. But it's subtle. It's it's never really, uh, well, not never, the, the moments do come, but more often than not, they're tiny little moments. They just have to happen and happen often enough to add up to a thing that you really notice big time, right? But it's like, you have to be patient enough to allow those to happen. Yes. Oh my gosh. When you mentioned that the experiences that we've had is basically what we know and we don't know what we don't know. That just reminds me so much when we hear the saying, show me your five friends and I'll tell you exactly who you are. And it's like, if you do want to change, as you said, change the small things, but you also have to look at your friend group. If you're trying to be, I don't know, say you're trying to own a business and, or even let's talk about health. Say you're trying to get healthy, but all your friends, they don't work out. They love to eat fast food. And every time you say, hey, I'm not going to eat that, they try to encourage you to, and they try to make you feel bad for wanting to be healthier. That is going to affect you. It's really going to stifle the growth that you're trying to make towards being healthier. So that is just so true. Had to echo that. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's where one of the first steps that you take, I think, when you're trying to make a shift in your life is boundary creation right mm -hmm. for yourself in certain areas of your life but friendships is a big one that comes up right and especially at certain phases of your life you know i always find that there's like a big shift in friendship groups usually around 27 28 so you kind of you've formed all these really good friendships in in college and university and they you know they stay really strong for those first few years out of college and university and then people start getting into relationships maybe people get married maybe people start having kids or people get more career oriented and those friendships 
friendships, the bonds around them start to morph and change a little bit. And maybe you're not prioritized as much, or maybe you can't prioritize others as much. And those boundaries have to be put in place or shifted somewhat. And it's a, it comes with an acceptance of like, oh, these connections are changing. It doesn't mean they're going to end. It just means maybe these look different in my life from this point onwards. And I think it's a constant assessment of not just friendship groups, but also just activities that you want to do in your life and goals that you want to achieve. It's it, We're always just constantly a work in progress, but those boundaries is, is one of the big things that comes up when you're trying to make big life changes for sure. Yes, that is so true. So creating a life you love often involves setting and achieving goals. How can we set effective and meaningful goals that align with our vision? Well, firstly, you've got to get really clear on what you want. Because oftentimes we're just moving from a really reactive space. We're just reacting to life rather than being proactive. Because I think one of the like great misfortunes of life is that the vast majority of us are just clinging on for dear life, you know, as we go through this roller coaster. We're just hanging on. Yes. And life doesn't stop, right? We don't the vast majority of us don't have the luxury of taking a six month sabbatical and doing a retreat in India. You know what I mean? It's like where we can just like get in touch with our feelings and do yoga every day. And like, that's not the reality for most of us, where we can actually literally take a time out from life, figure out what we want and like explore ourselves with all the time and no pressure and blah, blah. No, there's like bills to pay and life is happening. And we're just all hanging on and for the most part, reacting to whatever is coming up in life, as opposed to moving from a space of, okay, what is it that I actually want? And then making proactive decisions to get us there. And that's not really anybody's fault. That's just the nature of life. We're just trying to survive, most of us, you know? Yeah. So I think in, in terms of setting meaningful goals, get clear on what you want first. And for me, when I work with clients, one of the very first steps we'll take is visualization, which is just a really, I think, a really powerful tool where it's just you just allow yourself to get quiet, right? So just, it doesn't even need to be a big thing, but just maybe you take five minutes and you sit down in the quiet or play some music. I would always recommend just like an instrumental music so that you're not zoning in on lyrics and things. So maybe some nice, you know, jazz or some kind of like massage whale music, as I call it, <laughs> just in the background and sit and like visualize what you want your life to look and feel like and imagine it in like really vivid detail. I think one of the worst things that happens to us as kids, I don't know if you were told this, I was told this a lot when I was a kid, stop daydreaming. I get told that all the all the time at school. Yes. Stop daydreaming. No, daydream more. Do more of it. Do it all the time. It's a great thing to do. We are allowed and we should daydream and visualize and imagine how we want our lives to be. Telling a kid to stop daydreaming is telling them to stop imagining. And imagination is one of our most powerful tools. So we kind of, when we're told that so much as a kid, we kind of forget how to do it. So I always advise people like, look, just get back in touch with that. Take five minutes out of your day. Set a timer if you need to, if it's stressing you out, thinking you don't have time to do it, set a timer for five minutes, sit down, get quiet and think about every single aspect of what you want your life to look and feel like. Then when your five minutes is up, just grab a journal and write down some things. What came up for you? during that five minutes, write down the big things and then take a look at that and say, okay, so this is what I want my life to look like. This is where I am. What's the bridge that gets me from here to this life that I want? And then you start to think, okay, here are five things I can do 
to get me from this space to the life that I want. And then you just start, okay, let's prioritize. And it might take you a bit of time to get there, but at least then you are able to move from a proactive space of like, okay, I'm aiming for this thing over here and I know I need to do these five steps to get there. So I'm going to be proactive in my decisions, in my actions, in my behaviors to make sure that I eventually get this life that I want. And it's a visualization also, I should say, not a one-time deal. Do it every day if you need to. Seep your mind and your subconscious in this thing that you want for yourself. Think about it so that you can literally Literally, you can smell it. You can taste it. You know what that fabric feels like when when you make it and when you've got that job that you want and you've imagined the outfit that you're going to wear on day one. You can feel the fabric of it. That's what I mean when I say visualization, like vivid, vivid detail and keep thinking about it. Maybe you set aside five minutes every day where you just keep reinforcing that message for yourself. And then that in turn reinforces the proactive behaviors that you need to do to build that bridge. I love that. And I love you mentioned that literally set a timer for five minutes. Do that every day because I believe that most of us can find five minutes in our day to do that. We can just not scroll on social media for those five minutes and go ahead and start getting closer to the life we want. Like I think that is so practical because we can all spare five minutes. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we're all wasting five minutes somewhere for sure. Usually social media, let's be honest. Yes, or sometimes TV. I know I sound like I'll get on social media and I'll be like, oh my gosh, it literally has been 30 minutes. That is how easy it is to get sucked in. (laughs) For sure. All of a sudden you're in a rabbit hole going nowhere. Exactly. Um, Going nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like consistency is a lot of times the thing that people really struggle with. And I know it's the key in making long-term changes. What strategies or habits can you recommend for maintaining consistency and pursuing our dreams and goals? I literally posted a reel about this on Instagram today, so I can give you a very prepared answer. (laughs) I love it. So I'm literally the consistency coach. That's what I do. I love consistency. I am very disciplined in the elements of my life that I feel benefit me the most. And that's been a journey for me too. I think it's it's really difficult to narrow your focus and get very disciplined slash borderline obsessed with a thing (laughs) to the degree where you want to show up for it as often as possible and get good and perfect a thing. So it is a practice, I will say. Getting consistent is a practice. I always say to people when I'm coaching them, ultimately, most people struggle to be consistent because they just don't do a thing for long enough to get to like what I call your baseline level, right? So let's say I'm going to use like a fitness example in this instance. So let's say you're just off the couch, right? You're a couch potato. You want to get active. Okay, cool. This is the biggest struggle people have, right? Your baseline level that you want to get to is like, okay, I'm working out a few times a week. I'm feeling better. I'm looking better. I'm like, feel mentally sharper. I've kind of, and I'm noticing those differences and changes. And they're making me operate at a certain level in my life. That's my baseline right? Mm -hmm. Where I've done my, you know, workouts often enough, consistently enough to hit this baseline where I know if I'm doing that consistently, this is the level that I operate at, my baseline. So once I'm on my baseline and I'm doing the, the things consistently enough, baseline is a great place for me to be. I know I can elevate from there if I want to. I know I can come back to baseline and be good. I know that I could take a couple weeks off and I know exactly the steps I need to take to get back to baseline because I've done it before, right? Mm-hmm. So it's no big deal for me to 
get back to baseline. But most people don't do the thing consistently enough to get to baseline, right? You do it, you make the mistake of saying, okay, I'm a couch potato. I want to turn that around. I'm going to go to the gym five days a week and I'm going to do this and that. First of all, no, you ain't. No, you ain't. You're not going to do that, right? It's completely unrealistic. So what tends to happen is most people go in and do too much too soon and you hate it. And so you, you'll do it a few days. Feels good on day one, but we get to day three. Now we're tired. And now it's like, well, this is a lot of effort. And actually, you know, there's an episode of Law and Order SVU I really want to watch. And I don't really want to be at the gym right now. So we fall off like really quickly and we just never manage to get to that baseline. We keep repeating step one and two and then falling off, right? So we get into that cycle and never get to the baseline. So all you need to do is do the thing consistently enough one time to get to the baseline and feel the benefits of it. How do you do that? Okay, three easy steps. Ritualize the thing that you are trying to get disciplined with. So I use the example in my reel today of I journal every day for 30 minutes. Okay, that's the first thing I do when I wake up, I journal. And now it's automatic for me because I've done it so much. I literally have done it for years that I can't imagine starting my day another way. It's just literally like I get up and I journal. But to get into that, it could be considered a chore, right? To journal for 30 minutes, to just write freehand for 30 minutes, it's a lot. But so what I started to do was I ritualized it. I made an event out of it. So I would get my cup of tea and I'd put on some jazz and I'd light a candle and like, and now I've got like a situation to write in, you know? Now it's kind of like, oh, this is a really pleasant environment for me to do this. Yeah, and it's you made special. It sexy. <laughs> right, you know? So now it's a it's a part of my day that I really look forward to doing. So whatever it is that you're trying to get disciplined with, how can you add a bit of spice to it? How can you make it special? So a simpler example, walking my dog. Okay, I obviously have to walk my dog every day. Mm -hmm. I have to be disciplined about that. He has to walk. But when it's cold outside. I don't want to do it. I don't want to go out. But my walks with the dog, I listen to some really funny podcasts and that helps the time go quicker. And then I really enjoy it because now it gives me time to listen to something that I probably wouldn't listen to otherwise, unless I'm out walking the dog. I would tell myself I don't have time to listen to the thing. So now I'm killing two birds with one stone, but now it's an event. Now I'm looking forward to walking the dog in the cold because I've kind of made a bit of a ritual around it and built in something a bit special. So that's the first step. Second step, always be thinking about the bigger picture, right? Mm. So whatever the thing is that you're trying to be more consistent and disciplined with, what is that for? Okay, so if it's, I'm just going to use a fitness example again. If it's, okay, I really want to get fit and active and I need to stay consistent with these runs because I'm trying to run a marathon. Okay, great. So always be thinking about that bigger picture. On the days when you're like, I'm not going to run today and I'm just going to like eat this cake and chill out. Okay, cool. But bigger picture that. This moment of self-sabotage, cake and not running. Do the benefits of that in this moment outweigh the sense of achievement you're going to get from doing the marathon. Mm, what are we like doing that. the marathon for? So if we keep refocusing on the bigger picture, which isn't always easy, I want to say this is a, it's a difficult step. These are practices that you've really got to get your reps in when you're doing this, right? It's like it requires you to be conscious and present with that thought. And it is a battle at times, right, to fight that. But ultimately, that's the question. Is the benefit of this thing that I'm trying to self-sabotage with right now, does that outweigh the benefit of my big goal? And most of the time, you're going to come back and say no. Okay, and then the last thing, 
Habit Track, mm. which is, um, if you haven't read Atomic Habits by James Clear, add that to your reading list immediately. This is a, a tip that he recommends a lot, but just Habit Track. So track what you're doing. You can either do that in just a paper diary, or maybe you'll have like a digital one that you use. I have a calendar on my fridge where I literally mark an X every day on the calendar when I've done the thing that I'm trying to stay disciplined with. We really respond to a visual stimulus. It's like a built-in motivator for us. When you see a streak of those X's of like, oh, I've done this thing that I committed to this many days in a row, you want to keep that going when you see it visually. So get some kind of a way to track what you're doing and put it somewhere obvious where you see it. I love those tips. I think those are really huge. I even in last week's episode, I talked about how we need to find our why when it comes to achieving goals. And I feel like that's basically the bigger picture. And like you said, in those moments of self-sabotage or not feeling like doing it or not feeling motivated, you just remember the bigger picture. And that's going to most of the time that is going to get you up and out the door and running if the marathon is your goal. So I love that. I think those are three really great things that we could all start doing to help us be more consistent. Good. I'm glad you like those tips. <laughs> yes. So many people struggle with self-doubt and fear of failure. How can we overcome these obstacles and stay more motivated in our journey towards trying to get that dream life that we want? Oh, first of all, self-doubt and fear of failure are like the two biggies. Everybody has them. Those are things that we all have to overcome. I think this really starts with understanding your limiting belief. So behind your self-doubt and your fear of failure, underneath all of that, what is the root cause? What's the limiting belief? What's that narrative that you are constantly telling yourself? So it's important to do the work firstly to understand where that is coming from, that thought and what that narrative is. An exercise I do with my clients a lot is to get them to sit with that belief and play out the string of what it would look like if they held on to that belief. We can dream as big as we want to, but unless you are willing to change that belief system on a fundamental level and operate from a more positive and optimistic space, it's never going to align, right? You're never going to be able to get to the thing that you want to get to if you are operating from a negative belief system. So sit with your limiting belief for a little bit and imagine what life looks like if you never let that go. Mm. Play the string out. And again, a visualization exercise. What does it look and feel like? What are the consequences of holding on to that belief? What are the consequences of that mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, if you keep holding on to that limiting belief? Play it out. And I know when I did this exercise for myself, when I first was working on my coaching program, it was such an uncomfortable exercise to do that because we off we don't really let our minds go there. We kind of like, we dilly-dally with our limiting belief, like it's there all the time. And we know, we know it's not positive, but we never really let our minds go all the way there, right? Of like what it looks like to keep holding onto it. And it can be a really upsetting exercise to do, right? When you realize how much that belief is sabotaging you. So do that as an exercise. Like what are the consequences of holding onto that? And get really, really real with yourself. And then I think the other step 
within this is to realize that this whole fear of failure, there is no failure. There's no such thing. There just is no such thing as that. Nothing is a failure. Any like perceived quote unquote failure is actually just another step in the path to you figuring out the way to do it. It's all just a lesson, which I know sounds super corny, but that's 100% what it is. There is no failure is all about your perception of a thing. Right now, I'm in the process of starting my own online fitness studio. Now, let me tell you, I'm a great spin instructor. I'm not good with technology. I'm doing an online thing. So the amount of learning I'm having to do to launch this thing, I'm a one woman show. I'm doing it all by myself. I have zero budget with which to hire people to do all of these things for me. So I just have to figure it out. As a person who's not very technical, I cannot tell you the number of like quote unquote failures that I'm having on a literal daily basis right now. It is like I make two steps forward and then 27 steps back every day. Like I'm learning all this new technology that I have to use that I'm very clueless about. And every single day, and I wish I was exaggerating, every single day, something messes up as I learn another element of this thing. And it's really frustrating, but none of it has been a failure because every single mess up or quote unquote failure helped to steer the ship in the direction I'm meant to go in. And it's armed me with all of this knowledge. Mm -hmm. As I've screwed up time and time again, it's just helping me learn and giving me all this knowledge and laying a foundation and guiding the ship. So it's all about your perception, which really comes down to are you a glass half full, glass half empty kind of person? So the ability to shift your perception on that involves a lot of work on mindset and being able to approach it from that different standpoint. So I'm not saying that's an easy place to get to, to be like, oh, everything's a learning experience and yay. It's like, it, that's a lot of work. It takes time to get there, but it can it changes your experience of life when you are able to approach things from that perspective. Yes, I love that so much. And it just, like you said, it's how you perceive things. Like I even know for myself, like with this podcast and doing something I've never done before this, you really have to get to the point where you tell yourself and you believe you can figure out everything. It may take time. It may take a lot of research, but you figure it out. And as you said, you learn as you go. And I think no matter what it is that you're going after, you are going to grow exponentially because you are learning so much along the way. So I think it's also you just grow so much as a person when we go down these paths and we pursue the life that we're really wanting to live. 100%. We are trying to keep ourselves in these safety bubbles all the mm -hmm. time. And you don't grow from that. You don't learn. You're going to never get to the next level of your life if you just want to play in this really safe bubble all the time where you know everything and everything's safe and everything's a certain format and done a certain way. And, and that feels good to you because you know it. Like, yeah, cool. That's nice. But that's not the totality of the human experience. And I think ultimately, if that's how we're going to live our lives, we're going to get old and be full of regret yes. about the things that we didn't try, about the things we weren't brave enough to take a risk at, at the shots we didn't shoot. And that's my worst fear, to be honest, is to get old and be in a constant like coulda, woulda, shoulda mentality. I can't imagine anything worse.
Yes, I totally agree. I remember I saw a video before, I think it was by Mel Robinson's, but I saw a video on Instagram and it was saying like that thing that you think about all the time that you want to do, but maybe you are just too afraid to start. If you don't try, that is the thing that's going to haunt you when you get older. And I really do believe that practicality and being practical truly does stifle our creativeness and it can keep us from doing the things that we're so afraid of doing because we're like, oh, that's not realistic or that's not practical. Could I really ever make money from that? And things like that. And it's like, just try. What are we going to lose by just trying? Literally nothing. Absolutely. But we lose so much if we never try. Amen. Absolutely. Yes. So I want to talk a little bit about self-care and its importance to the pursuit of living a fulfilling life. How can we go about prioritizing our self-care without feeling guilty or selfish? Oof. Okay, so full disclosure, that's something I'm still working on. Constant battle myself. And I will say at the top of this answer, I'm going to say this is, I would argue, very difficult for women in particular because we are socialized to put everyone else before ourselves, right? And we are socialized to believe the pursuit of our own self-care and happiness is selfish. So there's a lot of layers for us to dig through to get comfortable with it. So my initial answer to this is just going to be quite corny in repeating an age-old trope of you can't pour from an empty cup. But that's kind of where we have to start. When we think about self-care, it really comes down to everyone around you benefits when you're operating at your best. Mm -hmm. So therefore, actually, we should feel guilty and selfish when we are not taking care of ourselves. Because then we know the world is getting kind of a crappier version of us, right? They're getting like a bit of a sub level of us that's not kind of enriched and living in our potential and living in our comfort and our truth, which is the best kind of a space to create from and operate from and be able to be of service from. So we should feel guilty for not prioritizing our self-care, right? But we've gotten that completely backwards. So I would say just keep in the front of your mind, everyone around me benefits when I am operating at my best. I'm reading a book at the moment called Wild Power, which is about, it's all about the menstrual cycle and the various phases and how our hormones affect us emotionally and physically and spiritually during certain times of our cycle. And it's ultimately saying, you know, our desire and our drive when we're on our period is to retreat and to literally just kind of block ourselves off from the world for a couple of days and just really indulge ourselves, right? So in whatever way you want to do that. And I'm reading this book and I'm just like, cannot imagine that at all. I'm having so many kind of light bulb moments of like tinge with like annoyance and a little bit of anger actually at how the world is set up particularly for women to completely go against our biology right Mm -hmm. of like what we should be doing actually all of us should get a week off work when we're on our period ideally right to just like retreat and do nothing because 
hormonally, our bodies are going through so much, and that's actually what's required for us, is radical self-care during menstruation. But society and the way capitalism is set up, we don't get the opportunity to do that. So we are constantly overriding our biology and our nervous system and pushing through things that we shouldn't physically be pushing through. Mm -hmm. So that's just one example of like what we should be doing is honoring this very real very physical thing that we go through and we're not giving ourselves the opportunity to do that. And, you know, we could argue, oh, it's a luxury to be able to do that. And like, yeah, but also, no, we should be doing it. But I think just in general, on whatever micro level you can do it, if you sit down and be like, okay, the macro version of self-care for me looks like this, and it's a list of like 27 things. Cool. Maybe we can't get around to all of those every single day. But maybe we can be like, okay, in order for me to be able to operate from a cool, calm, collected space where I feel my best, I at the bare minimum need to make sure that I meditate for 10 minutes every morning, for example. That has to be the priority. That has to be guarded like your life depends on it. That has to be, if you've got kids, like, get out of my room. You put a sign on the door. Don't disturb me for 10 minutes. Don't even think about knocking on this door. Don't even come in here because you ain't going to get a version of me that you're going to like. You <laughs> give me these 10 minutes so that I can be the human I need to be for you. Everything's going to work out better for you if you give me these 10 minutes. You have to guard it and protect it. So if that's your bare minimum, you've got to at least give yourself the bare minimum. If you can't get through your list of 27 things that you would like to be doing to operate at your peak optimal best. But absolutely feel no guilt or shame because, like I said, it should be reversed. If you're not taking care of yourself, everybody else around you is on a lower vibration because you're not on the right vibration. So you actually owe it to everyone around you to take care of yourself. Wow. I love how you flipped that. That is, that is so good. So how can we bounce back from setbacks and keep moving forward towards our goals? Well, first of all, don't gloss over it. Feel it. We're allowed to feel it. Whatever comes up for you during a setback or a loss or a perceived quote unquote failure, whatever it might be, allow yourself to feel that. Feel the anger, feel the frustration, feel the sadness, whatever comes up, let yourself feel it. But with the caveat that you should give yourself a deadline, give yourself a deadline on those feelings. So, okay, this thing that I really wanted didn't work out. And now I have to go back to square one and start again. Man, I feel you. That really sucks. That's really annoying. You should feel, you know, if you worked really hard for that thing, cry about it. That's okay. Get angry about it. Go into the woods and scream. Cool, do it. But I'm giving you 24 hours. By tomorrow night at seven, we're done and we're regrouping and we go again. Give yourself a deadline. Maybe it needs to be longer than that. If you need to give yourself three days, fine. But give yourself a deadline on the feelings. Don't let yourself wallow in it. Because again, you're then going to, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy and you will become that vibration. And then when you get stuck in the sadness of it, you look for things that confirm the sadness. Then we get back to self-fulfilling prophecy. So within that time where you're kind of mourning and grieving and being angry and allowing yourself to feel those frustrations, I want you to also look for what did I learn? What went right? What could I do better? Let's address those questions within that so that now we're starting to flip it and think, okay, there's light at the end of this. There's a way for me to come out of this. It's not going to break me. So give yourself that time, feel the feelings, give yourself a deadline, and then go back to visualization. Okay, 
What do I want my life to look and feel like? Let me imagine it really vividly. Now I need to regroup. Maybe you journal about it again. Maybe something different came up in this visualization. Maybe it's adjusted slightly off the back of this setback. That's okay. Maybe we're regrouping and imagining something different. Okay, great. So then how do we get from this point to the visualization? What's the bridge? What do we need to do? Get back into planning mode after that. Get back into being proactive, not reactive to a situation. You're in control all of the time. You write the story and you can start rewriting it whenever the hell you want to. I love that. That really just when we think of it that way, it solidifies that the choices that we make are going to determine the path that we go in life. And I, I really love that because one, it gives us that ownership. And two, we know that if we don't like where we are, we can always change it. Granted, some things are harder to change, but knowing and empowering yourself to know that you can change it. That's it. Just stay safe in the knowledge that you are the captain of your own ship at all times. No matter how chaotic things get, no matter how much it seems like things aren't going your way, it is in your control to take it back. Take back your power from that situation where you had a setback, where you had a perceived failure which again, mm -hmm. it's never a failure, but we always have the power to reshape it, to reimagine it and to go again. Yes. I love that. So I know we talked about self-doubt and the fear of failure. Are there any other common obstacles that you've seen that really keep people from starting on working towards their goals and achieving that life that they want? Well, fear of failure and fear of what other people think is probably mm. the two biggest ones. People really spend a lot of time thinking about that, yes. which is always very surprising to me. But yeah, it's a that's a huge one. Fear of what other people are going to think about what you're doing. And that always makes me think of that Brene Brown quote, which I'm going to get wrong, but it's something along the lines of if you're not in the arena fighting on occasion, I don't care for your opinion, right? Mm. And I think of that all the time. Like, if people want to be critical of your thing, if they have something to say about it, okay, cool. What are you doing? Are you doing that? Do you have any experience in that? Then you can probably shut up about it, you know? I think unless it's someone who you really know, really like, really trust, or someone who's a mentor of yours or a peer of yours or has experience in the thing that you're trying to do, someone whose opinion you actually value and whose input is actually of some worth to the situation. Unless it's that kind of a person, I wouldn't be paying any kind of attention to what other people think of you trying to go with a certain direction in your life. Like, But that really does hold people back a lot. And there's stuff behind that. You know, there's, as we were talking about in the beginning, it's a lot of it is to do with your environment. Maybe you didn't come up in an environment where you saw people win or be successful a lot. So when you talk about a desire to win and be successful, it's very triggering to people who feel they've never had the opportunity to do that. And if you're going to go off and do that, then that shines a light on their inability to do it. And that's where that comes from, right? It's all about them and their stuff. And they just haven't been willing to do the work to change their mindset and get into that. It's a lot of work. So it's no shade to the, the people who may be critical of the steps that you're trying to take. That is loaded on their part. But it's not something that we, as people who are trying to carve out better lives for ourselves, it's not something that we can be overly concerned about. We can't tiptoe around other people's feelings all of the time. 
time. You have to stay true to your desire and your truth. And if other people want to come along for the ride, great. But they have to be operating at a certain level. They have to have a certain mindset to join you on it. And if they ain't there, they ain't there. And that's that's okay. They have to do what they have to do for their life, but they're not in the arena with you. So they don't get to have a say on it. I love that. And I think it's a really great point to make. We should not have to dim our life or dim our dreams just to make other people feel comfortable. And as you said, there are some people who will project their self-doubt onto us. And so it is important that if we find ourselves in that situation, maybe we just don't need to share our big dreams with that person because they just can't get it. And they're not there and that is okay. That's their story, but we can't let that hold us back. Absolutely. It comes back to, again, what we were talking about earlier with boundaries. You know, Mm. sometimes that's something you find out, you know, quite early on into your journey of like, oh, actually, okay, this is, this is a really good friend of mine, but maybe I can't talk about this element of my life with her because it triggers something in her and has a really negative impact on me. So it's not that you need to cut the friendship off, but you've got to like redraw the lines and the boundaries around it. Yeah. And then when some people, they just have to, they don't get it until they see your success or they see you like win at that. And as you said, it could be that they've just never seen anyone win. And maybe in their minds, they're protecting you. But when they see you win, then they're like, oh, okay, well, actually, I get it now. And so sometimes you just got to show them better than you can tell them. Absolutely. 100%. (laughs) So as a life coach, what are some of your favorite tools or resources that you recommend for personal growth and self-development? It seems a bit random, but I always, a huge part of what I do, obviously I work around the theme of consistency, but being physically active is huge. Again, for me, I approach wellness and personal development in a very holistic way. And we can't separate out these various parts of our being and our lives. And being physically active is so beneficial to every single element of your life. You can't not be doing it if you want to improve your life. It's really that simple. So I don't care in what form that comes for you. I It took me many, many years to enjoy going to the gym. I've had many iterations of a fitness lifestyle along my journey, but it took me a long time to become a regular gym goer. If the gym isn't for you, cool. I don't care if you rollerblade every day. I don't care if you twerk for a couple hours every night. I don't care like what your version of fitness looks like. Just do it. Move your body. It's really important for the energy that you are generating to move through you somehow. Movement is like fundamental to who we are and how we are. So if you are, I would argue if you are on a personal development journey and you're not seeing the progress that you would like and you're not physically active, that's not a coincidence, (laughs) right? Those things are absolutely 100% directly correlated. And I would argue any successful person you like or admire, look into what their daily routine is. Movement, activity, fitness on some kind of level is in there every day. It should be a non-negotiable for you. So I recommend all my clients, it's part of the thing. You've got to be active. Whether it's daily walk, whatever it is, you've got to be active. The other thing I would say I always suggest to people is a gratitude journal. 
because it just helps you to view life in a certain way. One of my best friends introduced me to a practice many years ago called Three Good Things, which literally does what it says on the tin. You just write down three good things that happened every day. So I do mine in the mornings after I've done my long journal. I do my gratitude journal. So I write my three good things for the day before. So I think about, okay, what are three good things that happened yesterday? And that's how I start my day, right? With thinking about good things and the direction that my day can go in. Now, the reason this is a good practice is because everybody has a day where you think that day was so bad and there was absolutely nothing good in it, right? Like every, we've all had those days where you're just like, can't wait to get home and just make a blanket fort and hide in it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything went wrong. Nothing was good about it. But when you have this practice where you just have to find three good things that happened in your day, it really reframes the way you think about things. So, I mean, I've been doing this practice for years now and something I like to every now and then I'll go back through my old three good things journals. And it's a really nice way to track my life, actually. Sometimes I'll go back and I'll be like, oh, I, yeah, I remember that day when that happened. Or there'll be days when I've had an absolutely crappy day, but I've got to find three good things in it. So then you start, it rewires your brain, right? So there's some of the days in there where I literally was like, one of my good things would be like, I saw a really cool cloud formation today. Like that's <laughs> that's all I could get was like, I got a good cloud formation or the lady at the supermarket smiled at me. If you're having a tough day, you look for like the smallest moments that confirm the good in people or that somehow the universe is working in your favor, even just a little bit on those days when everything else seems to have gone wrong, you can always, I guarantee it, find three good things that happened, right? And when you are really rewiring and forcing yourself to think about those good things, then what I find happens for me, well, now I'm looking for the good things. Like I have a day every day where I'll be out and about and I'll think, oh, that's going in my gratitude journal tomorrow right? That's one of my three good things. This happened, that happened. Sometimes you'll have more than three. Wicked, amazing. But it really sets your mind up in a different way where it rewires things and it's a positive mindset shift, right? You are being forced to look for good things. And especially, I used to be a really pessimistic person. I used to always be like a Debbie Downer, think nothing's going to work out for me, blah, blah. When you start this practice, cannot tell you how transformational it is to just, it's the smallest thing. It literally takes me less than two minutes every morning to write that. Just three sentences, that's it. And then you're done. But those two things are practices that I give to like all of my clients, basically. I love that. I love the three good things, especially from the day before, because it's also like a reflection tool. And it's like you said, you thought you had this bad day, but when you seek out the good that you had in that day, I can just imagine what that does, like just to your mindset and your mood. So I'm about to adopt that. So I would just like write down three things that I'm grateful for, which I think is cool, but I really love the three good things. I think I can just see that being more impactful for me. So I love that. Yeah, I think a lot of times as well, when you say gratitude journal, I think for people who are not like traditionally like journalers, if they don't want to do that, it's like there's something about the words gratitude journal that just sounds a bit kind of like hippie, woo woo, you know, that, that a lot of people don't take to. But if I just say to you, can you write down three good things that happened to you today? And oftentimes I'll do that. I find, well, particularly with my friend who introduced me to the practice, sometimes she'll just text me at the end of the day and be like, 
tell me three good things that happened to you today. Or when we go out to dinner, tell me three good things that happened to you. Today. And it's a nice conversation to have with your friends. You know, it's a nice little check-in to have with people. And I really have found it to be such a transformative practice for me. I love it. I love it so much. So before we go, what words of wisdom or encouragement can you offer to those who are on their journey to create the life that they truly love? That you're worth it. That you're worth the effort. You're worth the effort on your darkest days. You're worth the effort when you feel hopeless. You are worth the effort when you feel like it'll never work out. You're worth the effort to try always. And I think that can be a really difficult thing to remember when you're going through it and you feel like it's never going to work out and you're never going to win. I think the thing that keeps me personally going too is I, I remind myself of that. I'm worth the effort. Like the life that I want, the thing that I visualized, that I get really excited about when I do my visualizations, I'm worthy of that life and I'm worth the effort that it takes to get there. And nobody else is going to do it for me. I'm all I've got. I've got to show up for myself. So I think I just, I want everybody to feel that, to feel worthy of the dream that they're shooting for and to feel worth the effort that it takes to get there. Oh, wow, Bangs. I love that. That was powerful. It honestly gave me chills. And I truly have loved having you on. So can you tell us more about what you offer with your program and where we can go to follow you? Yes, you can find me on Instagram and threads at bangs and a bun, like the hairstyle, bangs and a bun. You can find my website at bangstheconsistencycoach.com. So ultimately, my coaching is all about helping you to find your confidence to go forth and live the life that you want to live through consistency, habit and ritual. So I love, love, love doing this work. I find it really impactful, really powerful. And I just love working with people to help them get to the life that they want to live. So yeah, that's me. That's what I do. I love it. Thank you so much, Bangs. I feel inspired just having done this with you. So I'm so excited. I know that this is just going to be really great and just out here inspiring us at all. So I just, I love that. And thank you. Oh, thank you so much. This was such a treat. Thank you for inviting me on. Thank you all for tuning into this week's episode. If you really loved the episode and you felt like it resonated with you, be sure to share the love and share the episode with a friend. Also, if you could take a minute and head to the review section wherever you listen to your podcast and leave me a review, letting me know what you're loving about these episodes and which topics you want to hear next. That way, I can make sure that I continue creating episodes that you love. Also, make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. Until next week, bye, grown girl gang.